Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, chapter number seven. I am preaching in these mornings. Last Sunday morning, I brought a brief message on what I've learned from experience because of Senior Citizen Day. But I wanted to deal with this, this subject for a few Sundays that we began a few Sundays ago on so great salvation. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Salvation is so great. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, we sing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And if you've experienced that, you know what it's talking about. And you know what God's done for you. And you know where you were and where God brought you from. I had one of our, our men who got saved not long ago to just, we were talking some this week and he said, brother Billy, he said, God's been so good to me. I can't hardly believe he saved me. And he said, I tell you, Bo, he got me out from under a rock. And I'm going to tell you something, every one of us are there. We all right on the brink of hell. Uh, and, but God saved us and thank God for that. I appreciate so much. God's saving grace. I hope this morning God will speak to your heart. If you do, don't know him in the radio audience or here in the building or, or in on the internet, that you, there is, as Brother Joe Barry said, thank God for forgiveness. Amen. There is forgiveness. And one element of this so great salvation is God's forgiveness. Open your Bibles, please, and look with me in the book of Luke, chapter number seven. And I want to read a passage here and in the book of Matthew. And then as God will allow me to be as brief as I can this morning to share with you the great truth of God forgiving us. So great salvation, the element of forgiveness. Notice in Luke chapter number seven, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's home and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the, in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. And did wipe them with the hairs of her, ha her head. And kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake unto himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, say, uh, and, he, and he saith, Master, say on. Now notice a couple of interesting things. This man assumed that Jesus didn't know this woman. But I want to remind you, he knew this woman before the foundation of the world. He, did, he assumed that Jesus didn't know this woman was a sinner and yet would let him come that close to her. But I want to remind you that Jesus is a friend of sinners. And he said, whosoever will may come. And then this fellow also did not realize that Jesus not only knew what he was saying, but he knew what he was thinking. And so I just remind you right now, he knows exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking he didn't get through by 12 o'clock and uh, I got to get out of here. But Jesus knows your thoughts. You see that in the passage of scripture? This man didn't say that openly. He was thinking it, but Jesus knew his thoughts. Now notice what he said, verse 41. And there was a certain creditor. Jesus gives this story. And there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed him 500 pences and the other 50. And when he had nothing to pay, when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. 
Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, and, and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, see thou this woman. I entered into thine house and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved, for she loved much. But in whom, to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said to her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith have saved thee. Go in peace. Now turn with me, please, over to chapter number nine of the book of Matthew. I want to read a brief passage of scripture here. We've learned already from that passage of scripture some great truths about salvation and about what it means to be forgiven. But I want to show you another passage in the book of Matthew chapter number two, uh, chapter number nine and verse number two. Behold, they brought unto him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, son, be thou uh, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said unto themselves, this man blasphemed. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, again, he knows what we're thinking, said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and walk, but that ye may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed and go into thy house. And he arose and departed to his house and the multitude saw it. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Let's bow together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, our Father, for the forgiveness that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our Father, this morning, I pray God, the Holy Ghost of God, first of all, would awaken in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, the need to be reconciled, the need for forgiveness, the need, our Father, to be forgiven of a great God who loved us and died for us. Our Father, the Word says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all offended you. We've all sinned. Therefore, our Father, we stand in need this morning of forgiveness. I pray, God, that you'd help us, our Father, by the person of the Holy Spirit, to be able to share with this group of people here and with the vast radio and Internet audience, our Father, the great truth of the forgiveness that is in Lord Jesus Christ. And God will thank you and praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The first story I read to you was of a woman who had lived out on the streets and her sin was many. Now the Lord knew her, knew all about her, knew her sin, knew everything about her. But there was something about Jesus when she heard he was in this Pharisee's house that drew her there. Her need was not physical. Her need was spiritual. She needed 
to be forgiven. There was something hurting inside of her. My dear friend, when the Holy Spirit of God begins to deal with you and make you understand and see your own sin, there'll be a conviction in you. There'll be something in you, a longing in you. And I want to remind you that you'll never have any peace until you have peace with God. You'll never have any real joy until you have the joy of the Lord living in your heart. You'll never know what it is to be loved until you have the love of the Lord Jesus Christ living in your heart. And he said in this passage of scripture that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. Jesus can forgive sin. Just two or three little quick things this morning about forgiveness. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the meaning of forgiveness. And then I want you to notice the magnitude of that forgiveness. And then the marvel of that forgiveness. And lastly, the means of that forgiveness. Now listen, as I try to share with you, the meaning of the word forgiveness. Now when you come to the New Testament, there are two Greek words that are interpreted, translated to, to, in our New Testament. Same Greek word translated two different ways in our New Testament. One is forgiveness. The other is remission. It's the same word. Now, the thing about the Greek language, it is such, such, has such volume of meaning in every little word that it takes of our English words, sometimes several words to explain it. It's the same thing. The forgiveness and remission mean the very same thing. They're all part of that wonderful Greek word that has to do with forgiveness. Now, what does it mean? What does that word mean to forgive? Well, uh, let me just share this with you. In, in that Greek word is, is implied this. It is, it is the, the treating one. It is to treat one. When you forgive somebody, it is to treat a guilty person as though they were not guilty. It means to reject the offense. It means to, to send that sin or that debt or that transgression away. It means to clear both the debt and the debtor. The word remission has the same idea. It's come from the same Greek word. It means to release or to relinquish or, or to cast or send away. It means to give, to forgive or to give up due punishment. Now, what, what is it saying? This Greek word means that here I am a guilty sinner before God. And here you are, a guilty sinner before God. But through his marvelous forgiveness, he releases us of all guilt. It's kind of like if you owed a debt. Suppose you owed a debt, you couldn't pay it. And the thing about it is you had reneged on it. And you wouldn't pay it. And you couldn't pay it. And then, like the Lord gave the story about the creditors. He said they came and he said he forgave them their debt. One a small amount, one a large amount. That means he took the books... And the book that had their debt written on it, he wrote paid in full on it. He wrote, marked it out, it's paid in full. Now, here's the thing, the unique thing about this Greek word. It means not only to forgive and to remove or to send away the, the sin. In the Old Testament, the picture of that was what's called the scapegoat. And they would bring in a, a, a sacrificial goat and the, the guilty party would bring that goat to the priest. They'd lay their hands on that goat and over that goat, they would confess their sin. And what that means basically is that they would transfer their sin to that substitute. And then the Bible says they would release that goat to run into the wilderness. And what he was doing was taking away their sin. The same thing's done with the little doves. They take two doves. One of those doves was, was slain. And it had to do with the shed blood of Christ. And the other, other dove, they would dip him in that blood and release that dove and he'd fly away. My dear friend, what it means is this. That the Lord Jesus Christ 
takes away all of our sin. He takes them all away. The word forgiveness means that my sin is gone and your sin is gone. Well, that's one thing. But suppose somebody has offended you or done something to you and God does give you grace. And when they come, you say, I forgive you. I release you of that debt, the physical, the financial debt or whatever it was. I release you of that. We're market paid. That's fine. That's fine. But the the Greek word goes far beyond that. It has to do with not only the debt being canceled, but the debtor being forgiven. It means that that person who has owed the debt, the debt's paid in full, but the creditor, the one who, to whom the debt was owed, the one who was sinned against, that he now, he, can, he looks and releases that individual of all their indebtedness. In other words, it's all gone. It's not there anymore. And so they are treating that person as if there was never a debt. Now, I, I, as a wicked sinner, and you are a sinner, those of you who've been saved, and you say to me, Brother Billy, you don't know all that I did in my past. I don't, but he does. He knows everything you ever did. And when you come to him and he forgives you of your sin, that means all of your sin's gone, but it means that he doesn't treat you like a sinner. He, the Bible said he places us as a son. He receives you. It's just as if you've never sinned. That's a, the, the marvel of this. And I'll get to that in a minute. I've gotten ahead of myself. But open your, if you have your Bible, look over in the book of Hebrews. You go towards Revelation and you'll find the, little book, the book of Hebrews. And I want to read just one verse in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 8. And listen to what it says. Uh, there's a verse in, in Hebrews. It says, without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That means no removal of sin. Same thing as forgiveness. But in chapter number 8, I want you to I call your attention to verse number 12. In chapter 8, verse 12, it says this. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, that's what God's forgiveness is all about. All of my sin, all of my transgression, all of my unrighteousness, when he forgives it, he said, it's gone forever. I will remember it no more. That's what it means to forgive. But now notice the magnitude of that. I want you to look at a verse in the New Testament. You turn to the book of Colossians in chapter number 2 and verse 13. Or make a little note of it. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 13. Let me read you this passage of Scripture. Notice what he says. Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And he, he's given them this, this wonderful truth that God's mercy and grace is extended to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Psalms 103, he says this. He says that, praise the Lord and bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget are not all of his benefits. All of his benefits includes this. He said he forgives all of our iniquities. And look in the book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 13. You're probably already there. Notice he said, And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Here's the magnitude of it. The magnitude of God's forgiveness is he forgives you of all sin. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, this salvation that is offered free by grace forgives you of all your sin. When you go through the word of God, there are many words that describe sin. There's the word transgression. It means to step across the law. It means to, to break the law. 
And the Bible teaches us that if you offend the law in one point, you're guilty of all. So you go through and, and you look at the Bible and all the commands of God and look at all the laws of God. And on God's account sheet, you're guilty of all. If you offend in one point, the Bible said, you're guilty of all. And so when you came by simple faith around an altar at your house or somewhere and you cried out to God for mercy and you said, I, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. He came into your life. He forgave all of your sin. That is every transgression of the law. He forgave. He forgave you of all your iniquity. Iniquity has to do that that's inbred in you. That, is, that has to do with old Adamic nature. It has to do with those things that come out of you because of, of, of a sinful heart. And he said, I forgive you of all your iniquities. So he forgave you of all the transgressions, all the iniquities. He, he forgave you of, of every trespass. He forgave you of every transgression. He forgave you of every lawlessness. The Bible describes sin as lawlessness. That is acting as if there is no God. Those times that you lived as if there was no God. And you had no regard for the Bible, no regard for the things of God. God forgave you of all of that. Those times that you insulted him and you blasphemed him and you, you, you spoke against his name. Those times that you laughed at the truth of God and laughed at the things of God and mocked the things of God. Those times that you, you, did, you, you did awful things in regard to Christians and to the things of God. God forgave you a very bit of that by a simple act of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. The magnitude of it. The greatest sin is unbelief. And when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, he automatically forgave you of unbelief. So every type of sin, every description of sin in the Bible, he forgave you of that. Sins of the flesh, sins of the heart, sins of the mind. He forgave you of all of that. He forgave you of all sins in the past. He forgave you of all sins here. He also forgave you of all sins in the future because all of your sins were in the future when he died for you. And so he forgave you of that. He forgave you of sins of omission. That is the things that you should have done that you did not do. By one simple act of bowing your heart and your head and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior Lord, he forgave you for all the things that you should have done that you did not do. If you know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. He forgave you of all of that. All the things that you should have done that was right while you were doing wicked, while you should have been living for God, while you should have been doing right things. He forgave you of all those things that you did not do. He also forgave you certainly of all the things that you did do. He forgave you of all the acts of commission, the things that you did, the magnitude of it. He, gave you of, he forgave you of all the sins that you committed willfully and consciously. You knew this was wrong. You knew it was wrong to lie, and you lied. You knew it was wrong to steal, and you stole. You knew it was wrong to commit adultery, and you committed adultery. You did all those things willfully. He forgave you of all willful sin. But when he, when he loved you and died for you, and you trusted him as Savior, he forgave you of all of that conscious sin. But he also forgave you of all unconscious sin. The things that you did that you were not even aware of. That you didn't understand the Bible. You didn't know the truth of God. Things that you thought was all right that were wrong. He forgave you of all of that. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The Bible says that God forgave you of all of your sin. All of your iniquity. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Everything that you've ever done. Every sin. It's all gone. Hallelujah for the magnitude of that. Everything you've ever sinned. Every, every act. Every thought, every deed, it's all gone. Thank the Lord. That's why David said in Psalms 103, he said, I will, let's bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my, my heart. My, I make my boast in the Lord. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. My dear friend, listen, Jesus 
will hear you. If you'll cry out to him, he'll forgive you of all of his sin, of your sin. All the wonderful magnitude of that. The wonderful magnitude of it. But beyond that, the marvel of it. Here's the marvel of this, this forgiveness. Not only is he forgive you of all those types of sins and all those things. Look in the book of Acts in chapter number 13, will you please? Oh, listen, this great, the magnitude of his forgiveness. Acts chapter number 13. I call your attention, please, to verse number 38. Acts 13 and verse number 38. He's preaching here. And it say, he says this, and be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that is the man Christ Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now here's, here's the marvel of it, that he justified you. He forgave you of all your sin. And the word justification means just as if you've never sinned. I preached on that a couple of Sundays ago. But that forgiveness involves clearing you of all your debt and and treating you like you'd never sinned. What does that mean? It means that you were a sinner. You were alien. You were were a rebellion. uh, In rebellion, you were an enemy of God. But when he forgave you, he automatically placed you as a son. Bible said in the book of 1 John, now are we the sons of God. In other words, God not only forgave you, you, you were, I mean, you were the worst person you could ever imagine. And when God forgave you, he not only wiped the slate clean, but he took you from this world and made you a citizen of heaven. He took you from being a sinner and a rebel and, a, and an alien and put you into his family. You became an adopted child of the king. Hallelujah. Thank God for that marvelous grace. So great salvation. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he forgives all your sin, clears all the debt, but he, he, he forgives the debtor and he placed you as a son. It was through that forgiveness, my dear friend, not only did he pardon all your sin and removed you, but he removed all the pollution of sin, but also it breaks down that wall of separation between you and God the Father. He's no longer a great God way up there, that you're, you're down here, he now becomes your heavenly father. The God of this universe, the God who created all things, you are his child. A while ago when Penny and Chris stood up here with the girls and with Thomas, what a treasure. I, I, I watched Chris in that nursery area. Boy, he was proud of that baby. Couldn't hardly wait. Regina said he can't wait to get his hands on him. Loved him. You know what? He'd do anything in the world for that son. He'd do anything in the world for him, and he will for the rest of his life. He'd willing to do anything for him. He loves him. And so, same way with Penny. God's the same way. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, he forgave all the wickedness of your past, of your life, everything you've ever done. But because of that forgiveness, he forgave the, the sinner. And he made you then a son. And he broke down all the middle wall petition between you and God the Father. And God now is your heavenly Father. The word Father means provider. It means that he's going to take care of you for eternity now. For the rest of your life. You're his child. I don't care how old you get. You can crawl up in his lap. You can cry out to him and weep like a child. He knows your heart. He knows your need. 
and he made a promise, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, he forgives you of all your sin, makes you a brand new creature. And here's the marvel of it. It said, of the things that you could not be justified by the law. He went beyond the law. You could not obey God. You could not keep God's command. And he said he did it beyond that. And not only did he make you tear down that wall, wall of petition between you and God the Father, but he opened up access to the throne of grace. The Bible says that we now, through the rent veil of Christ's flesh, we have access to the Father. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. God took you who was a sinner and me who, who were a sin, was a sinner, and God made us a son. And he made us have a right relationship with the Father. But he fixed it to where we have access to the Father. Now that means you don't have to go through a preacher. You don't have to go through the Pope. You don't have to go through a bishop. You don't have to go through anybody else. Any boy, any girl, any man, any woman has as much access to God the Father in prayer as does any person in the world. I'm talking about him. People have been saved for 25, 30, 40 years. People who are preachers or missionaries or, or whatever. A child who gets saved today and God forgives their sin right now today, they have immediate access to the Father and he listens to everything they say and they can come before him without every burden, every care. And I'm thankful for people who pray for me and I want to pray for people. And I've called a few this morning, told them I was praying for them and I was. But I want to tell you something. Every person who knows Jesus has direct access to the Father because of forgiveness. All your sin's gone. He doesn't look at you like you've ever sinned. It's all gone. You are his child. In his eyes, he sees you perfect in his son because you received the Lord Jesus Christ. That means not only do you have direct access in prayer, but it means that you can have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Ghost. Now understand this. There are a lot of people you greatly admire. But you, don't, you can't spend time with them. And, and they, they could spend time with you. And it may have to do with time constraints. It may have to do with geography. It may have to do with a lot of things. But when God forgives you of your sin, that puts you in fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible said when you got saved, when he forgave you of your sin, the Spirit of God comes in your heart crying, Abba, Father. He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You have constant communion with the Lord. The Lord said, he said, when you pray, you pray in my name. And the Father loves you. And that fellowship, he, he fixed it where you could have constant fellowship with him. Because he does not treat you as a sinner that's been forgiven. He treats you as a son who's never sinned. I, I hope, I'm like Joe Barry now. That'll probably hit you somewhere later this afternoon. You'll probably have a shouting fit. When you realize what God did. And in and, and my little, little bitty mind... It's hard for me to get around that. It's hard for me to comprehend that, that I am now son of God and that all my sin is gone. And when he fellowships with me, he doesn't fellowship with me like somebody that he has been benevolent to or somebody he's done uh, forgave all of our sin. He fellowships with us as children. We are his children. We are his, those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, that sweet fellowship. Now, that's the marvel of it. But now What is the means of it? How is it that I can have that relationship for the vast audience in the radio and in the internet and in this building? You say, Brother Bill, I don't have that. I've never been forgiven of all my sin. How can I get that? How can I have that? 
Well, I read to you here in the book of Acts chapter 13. Let me read it again. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That means that the gospel message is preached so you can have the forgiveness of sins. The gospel is the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that you can come to him. And it says in verse number 39, and by him all that believed are justified from all things from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses. It is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn back, if you're in Acts, turn back to Acts chapter number 10. And let me read verse 43 to you. And it says this, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. What's the means? How do you appropriate? How do you get this great forgiveness? Well, it comes by believing. And the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, that God forgave us for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Now, how can that be? Why would God forgive me for Christ's sake? Is it because Jesus pleaded with the Father to save me? Well, the Bible does say he ever lived to make intercession for me. But that's not what that means for Christ's sake. God forgave you for Christ's sake. What does it mean? Well, let me call your attention to a couple of other passages of scriptures. In your Bible, turn over to the book of Ephesians, if you will, please. In chapter number one and verse number seven, it says this. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It says we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Here's the means of it. The reason God the Father will forgive me for Christ's sake is because Christ shed his blood for me and for you. He's already died for you. He's already paid that sin debt for you. And he did it by his grace, which means we didn't deserve it. It's God's unmerited favor. God forgives us by his grace. If you look on a little further in the book of Colossians, and and notice what it says in the book of Colossians in chapter number one and verse number 14. He emphasizes it again in this passage of scripture, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It's because of the shed blood of Christ that you can have forgiveness of sins. How do you appropriate that? What's the means of it? Here it is again, stated for us clearly in the Bible. And it says that if they would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they could have their sins forgiven if they believe. Now, anybody in here this morning could say in testimony to all the folk here gathered that if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they could have their sins forgiven. Anybody in this building that in this building in the old building, at your home, at another church, there was a point in time when you came to a place when you recognized you needed forgiveness, you needed to be saved, and by faith you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and by simply believing, all your sins are gone. If that's so, raise your hand. This great testimony. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Now listen to me. Bow your heads in prayer. Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And forgiveness is through the shed blood of Christ. This morning, think about the meaning of that. 
It means it separates the sin from the sinner. It means to send it away, to reject it, to cancel it, to pardon it. I don't know how long you've lived, but you're a sinner by nature and by action. But everything you've ever committed, if you'll say this morning, God forgave you of every one of them. They're all gone forever. He placed you as a son. He opened access to the throne of grace, made it possible for you to fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He does not treat you as a sinner forgiven. He treats you as a son. That's what it's all about. He doesn't remember anything in your past. I will remember their sins and iniquities against them no more. It's all gone. I'm just wondering this morning if there's anybody that the Holy Ghost of God would speak to your heart and you wanted so desperately to change, you wanted so desperately to get all those things and get your life straightened out. But you can't do it. But it's by simple faith through grace that he'll do it for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a done deal if you really believe on him and if forgive all of your sin. I don't believe you can comprehend that. I, I know I can't. But the day's coming when you'll understand when we stand in his presence. And the Bible said in 1 John, Now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. We know one thing. We shall be as he is. For we shall see him as he is. You're going to stand before God the Father and the presence of the Son and the Holy Spirit one day, just like Jesus. After amazing grace, how sweet the sound. The gospel message is you can have a brand new life by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But you must believe. The Bible said, he that believeth not is condemned already. I invite you right now. The preaching, he said, of this man is forgiveness. Preach this man that through him you can have forgiveness. That man is Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, would you be willing to receive him? Ask him to come in your heart, forgive you of all your sins. He'll do it. Stand with me, please, with your heads bowed for another moment. Heavenly Father, I ask the Holy Spirit of God to do his work. I, Father, I don't have the capability to convict of sin, righteous judgment, but dear Holy Spirit of God, you do. I cannot make clear the message of forgiveness. Holy Spirit, you can. There's some here, I, Father, who need that. And God, I pray they'd understand that you want them to be forgiven. You made every preparation. Everything's ready. All they have to do is simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. 